Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message entitled, Weakness That Is Strength, was given by Bill Dogtrum and is the seventh in our series, Sermon on the Mount. Spent some time in the Word tonight. I just, uh, as we were praying, felt uh, kind of a weight, and I've uh, learned to pay attention to that over the last few years, um, in that uh, my sense is that there's somebody here who, um, uh, when, when, you, when you go home, and reconnect with families, uh, that can be a wonderful time, uh, but it can also be a very painful time. And my sense as uh, we were just praying is that there's somebody who, uh, here tonight who went home and, and sitting in the service tonight, just some of the, some of the weight of, of a conversation you had or a situation you became aware of is really kind of crushing you. And I, I don't want you to carry that by yourself. Um, so would you mind just for a moment bowing your heads with me for a minute? And if there's anybody like that, and I can pray with you just a prayer of release, that we can just release your family to Jesus, that situation to Jesus, that conversation to Jesus. Um, if, if you resonate with what I've just been saying, would you mind just raising your hand real quick where you are? Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray for these folks whose hands raised indicate, yeah, that's me. Um, it was uh, uh, something more than I can carry by myself. Painful, difficult, hard, uh, at, at just some really center core levels. And I don't know what to do about it, Lord. So I, together with these um, who are your beloved children, we lift our families to you, Lord. Um, uh, parents who are going sideways, kids who are going sideways, brothers and sisters who aren't getting along. Um, uh, Lord, we just kind of reel with the news that we learned over these last couple of weeks and, and don't know how to manage it. Um, uh, angry conversations, whatever it was, Lord, we just lift it to you and pray that you'd show us um, if there's anything you want us to do about it, a conversation that we need to have, a phone call that we need to make, a release, forgiveness, whatever it is. If there's something that we need to do about it, Lord, help us to know that. But if this is something you're handling on, on your own without our input, um, help us to know that too and just release it to you and not carry a burden that you have not given us to carry. Not carry people that you have not asked us to carry. And I ask you for that release now, even in, in the next couple of seconds as we just lift our burdens to you. I pray that you'd take it off our shoulders, and uh, we'll thank you for that, Lord, uh, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Um, we are uh, kind of, ooh, get a nosebleed up here, um, uh, wanting to resume uh, our conversation from the Sermon on the Mount, so if you have your Bibles, um, we're looking in Matthew chapter 5, uh, if you need one, there are uh, some on the side there, and you can feel free to, to, to get one. Uh, or, uh, Darren, we need a couple up here. If, if anybody wants to help out, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, and the reason we're doing this, just so, so that you know, the garden, at least as I understand it, and, and I hope I'm, I'm on the right track here, um, is not just um, an, another church. Uh, we really want it to be a place uh, where the kingdom of God is more important than the local church. 
where what God is doing is more important than what we're doing, then his agenda is more significant than our agenda. That this is a place where people can come uh, and discover, hey, I'm built for a different kind of life than I have been living before. That, that, that thin space that we keep on referring to between the material and the spiritual realms, I am learning how to live in that thin space with integrity. And um, that's what, that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, that's really tough uh, because our default is always going to be to the material, right? Because we know how to negotiate life there. So when, when we were talking about what is, what is this series that we're going to do as we kind of launch the garden as an official church in, in October, how, how, are, how, can we, how can we talk more about the kingdom than about our goals, our dreams, our ambitions, our hopes, what we want the garden to be and how we want to change the world and what difference we're going to make for the city of Long Beach being here? That gets old in about like two seconds. So we decided what we'd like to do is listen to what Jesus, who knows how to build his church, has to say about what the kingdom is like, what relationships in the kingdom function like, how, how it is different living in that thin space than simply defaulting to a materialistic worldview. So that's what we've been trying to do here. We talk, Jesus says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, the way you live has to exceed the lifestyle of the most righteous people you can think about. He says, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees, which in the New Testament time, the Pharisees were, 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 were the board members. They were the elders. They were the people that you wanted to be part of your religious community because they had religion down pat. And Jesus just said, your religion isn't going to be helpful for that thin space. In fact, what is going to end up happening is that you're going to use your religion to manipulate the material worldview. So your righteousness has got to exceed that. It's got to be other than that. And then he goes through a series in chapter 5 of, you've heard it said, but I say. Religion, relationship. Religion, relationship. Don't murder. Learn how not to be angry. Oh, right? Don't commit adultery. Learn how never to objectify other persons or yourself for, satisfaction, for, for the satisfaction of your own pleasures. Oh, that's different. You, you, you feel the tension between the, the, the material worldview that negotiates how can I be how can I, how can I, how close do I need to, to how, how, how can I run along the edge of the cliff without ever falling off? What are the rules that I can have so that I never, I can, I can, I can live as dangerously as I want but not fall off the cliff? Because that's what don't murder is, right? How can I, how can I assassinate somebody without actually sticking the knife in? Right? How can I, how can I uh, bend the truth enough to get what I really want without ever having to live with integrity? So you've got to, you've, that's why we're talking about this stuff, right? 
And, and you can feel the tension. I mean, Brian talked about it tonight, even in taking up the offering. Uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about money. If you want to go to a church that doesn't talk about money, don't come here. Why? Because money is a marker of value. Are you going to live in the material world, which measures your worth by your money, or are you going to measure, live in the spiritual realm, which says money is a marker of what's important to you? We're going to be talking about that uh, in, in the next few weeks. So, so these, are the, these, these are the kind of dynamics that we're talking about, keeping of oaths and promises and so on and so forth. And tonight we're, we're in the middle of that uh, in, in the fifth chapter, and we'll pick it up at verse 38. Uh, so if you have uh, Bibles again, uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through, um, and then uh, fifth chapter Uh, And uh, we'll pick it up at verse 38. Jesus, again, a contrasting statement. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist evil or the evil one. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. How many want to just go someplace else right now? Doesn't this sound, this doesn't sound like good news, all right? Uh, where's the gospel in this, all right? Here it gets, and it gets even worse. Uh, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, we want to say, Jesus, uh, okay, we, we get, you know, murder. We get that. That's, that's a big deal. We get adultery. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about that. We, uh, keeping promises, not lying, we get that. But when you're starting to talk about these basic fundamental things, of the material versus the, materi- the spiritual worldview. You're really starting to meddle here, Jesus. This is not something we want you to be touching here. Because we don't even think when it comes to revenge. We retaliate in the moment without thought. Right? How many of you know that your body has a memory? Your body has a memory. That if I begin to assault you in some way, your body will respond before you have a chance to think about how you're going to respond. Right? And and, and this is what Jesus is addressing. I want you to become the kinds of people who can absorb the insult, the attack of another person, and consider your response without acting automatically in a destructive, escalating manner. Do you see what he's up to here? Because we do it with our words, don't we? We do it with physical gestures the way he's talking about here, but we do it with words, we do it with other kinds of things. So let's back it up here. As as he begins at verse 38, again, this this contrast, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. He's referring to the the so-called lex talonis from the book of Leviticus. You might be interested to know that this was regarded as a limitation on revenge not a requirement for revenge. So if somebody socks you in such a way that, that your eye is damaged, 
it is not a command that you now need to sock them so that their eye is damaged in the same way. Okay? It is instead a limitation that says, if somebody hits you in such a way that your eye is damaged, you can't put out both their eyes, just one. Right? If somebody assaults you in such a way that, that your tooth is knocked out, you are limited in the scope of your revenge to a tooth. You can't rearrange their, their facial structure. You can't do that. That's a, a limitation on revenge. Why do you think we need to have a limitation on revenge? Because if we don't, there won't be. Anybody have a brother or a sister? You know what I'm talking about? Without me saying anything else, you know what I'm talking about? My sister and I, we, we were in this, in this tension, this conflict all the time, and she and I kept score differently. Here's how it worked with my boys when they were younger. He hit me back harder than I hit him. How did you know that? I mean, how, how, what, what's, the, what's the, the, the pressure mechanism that, that enables you to make that value judgment and justify your assault on your brother, right? But we do this all the time. What it cost me to serve you in this way is a whole lot more than it cost you to serve me in the way, the paltry, little, insignificant way that you serve me. Does this work in marriages? No, it doesn't work in marriages. <laughs> I have a witness. Three weeks in, and he knows. <laughs> but anyway, um, okay. Uh, but we do this all the time. And Jesus is just saying, "How? just time out. Before we dismiss Jesus for not knowing how life actually works, how's revenge working out for you? Does it actually solve anything when you limit revenge to an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, an insult for an insult, shame for shame? Does it really end anything or does it just postpone until the next cycle of revenge? How many of you have felt the sting of an argument six months old when it resurfaced at Starbucks one day over coffee? You, you, you know what I mean? How's revenge working out for you? Is this the kingdom you really want to live in? Because if not, there's only one way out. And here's the genius of Jesus. What would happen if instead of revenge, you absorbed the pain of the other person that produced their attack on you. What would happen if their fist, instead of shaming and shamming you, was absorbed and released? So he says, here's, here's another strategy. If somebody um, slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him your, your other now, you need to know here that Jesus is not giving us new law. This is really important. 
because otherwise we're going to think that he's giving us a strategy and a tactic, although frankly, it's not a bad strategy. It's a pretty good tactic for accomplishing the purposes that he's setting out to do here. But Jesus is not giving us new law. He's not saying, when somebody hits you, you are duty-bound, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, in every single circumstance and instance, to turn the other cheek and let him do it again. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, I need you to begin to live increasingly in a kingdom in which your response is not predicated by somebody else's behavior. When you hit back, who is in control of your action? When you retaliate in like kind, who has determined what you're going to do? The other guy. Why do you want to put somebody who is shaming you in charge of your behavior? Why do you want to do that? That's just dumb. But there's only way, one way out. Right? The, the, the point that you, most of you probably already figured this out, there's only one of two ways that you can get hit on the right cheek. That is with somebody's, the back of somebody's right hand or with somebody's left hand. And in the first century, either of those two gestures, the point was not about physical assault. This was not a slap that was intended to put a tooth out or to blacken an eye. It was a shaming, insulting assault on personhood, not about physical injury. So I don't think, the, the, which is the first thing that we need to be careful of here. Jesus is, isn't saying, let people pummel you. He's not saying that. He's just saying, when you are insulted, when you are shamed by somebody's slap, and how many of you know it's possible to get slapped without ever being hit? That's what he's talking about. This insulting, shaming slap. Or with the left hand, the left hand was used for private business. Do I need to go into any detail? Are we good? All right. So, so, so when you got hit with somebody's left hand, it was not about simply the slap itself. It was where that left hand had been and what they were communicating to you about your value to them. You're starting to feel the weight of what he's saying here now? When somebody insults you, when somebody shames you, Who's in control of your response? Them or you? How many of you notice that this might be helpful in family systems? Right? When somebody, when somebody assaults you or insults you or brings you to a place of, of, of shame, are you going to respond out of who you are as beautiful, beloved, precious, chosen child of God? Or are you going to respond out of who they have made you to become? Angry, bitter, resentful, and retaliating. Do you see what Jesus is up to here? It's just pure genius, isn't it? Do you see? Because otherwise, what ends up happening? You respond in kind, and then what? He hit me back harder than I hit him. So they respond in kind, and then what? You respond in kind, and then what? 
you end up with this endless cycle in which we sink more and more and more into a material worldview that destroys us at the center of who we are. So he's saying, you have an option now. In my kingdom, you can develop enough self-control to absorb the pain that somebody inflicts on you without taking it personally. Now, I don't know about you, but this just sounds like such good news to me. I don't have to believe everything that somebody says about me. I don't have to take every criticism personally. I don't have to let every insult land as if it were true and out of my own insecurity respond with defensiveness. I just don't have to do that. I can now, living in the kingdom that Jesus is giving me here, ask when I'm criticized or when I'm insulted or when I'm shamed, is it true? Is what my enemy is saying about me true? And if it is, I can say thank you. It's good to know. How many of you know you're going to learn things about yourself from enemies that you will never learn about yourself from friends? Things that you need to know. Right? On the other hand, if it's not true, I can say thank you and let it go. I don't have to defend. I don't have to be defensive. I can just absorb. Oh, and how many of you know that a lot of the shaming insults are not about you at all, but about their pain, about their stuff? So maybe, maybe Jesus is on to something here. I don't know. But I think he might be on to something. Listen to what he says next. Whoever shall, uh, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. This is a, an echo of, a, of an Old Testament prescription. Uh, a poor person can be sued down to the point of the loss of everything but his coat. Usually there were, a poor person had two articles of clothing. One was a shirt that was worn inside next to his body, but then the, the real uh, 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 life preserver was the coat that was a heavier garment that would ward off the chill of the evening and so on and so forth. And so there is a specific law that forbids a person from being sued down to the loss of their coat. Right? So now here's Jesus. He's just saying, if you, if you are of such a kind that you only have two articles of clothing, a shirt and a coat, and somebody sues you, for, and typically the reason you would be sued is because you owed them money. Right? You, you, you'd gotten yourself into a debtor situation, and, and the only collateral you had were the, was the shirt on your back. And so he has taken you to court, this is not, this is not a, 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 an illegal action. This is somebody using the court system to get from you what you owe them. But you have no capacity to repay. Do you, do you get the, the picture here? And, and, the, and the law says you can only go so far as the shirt, the coat, 
has to remain, otherwise he's going to die in the elements. And what does Jesus say? Look, if, somebody, if somebody's suing you for your shirt, give them your coat too. Now, new law? It's not new law. In other words, it's not a demand, it's not a requirement, it's not a... Con- He's just simply saying, you have, living in this reality, something else going on than simply the possession of articles of clothing. You can give them, out of your need, more than what they can require from you at the point of law. Now, this is really hard. The only thing that makes this work is what Jesus is going to tell us in chapter 6. Because there he's going to say, you have a heavenly Father who knows what you need before you ask. That's the only thing that makes this, end, this thing workable. Because if you are fully responsible and dependent uh, for your own stuff, then this doesn't make any sense. But Jesus is just saying, you can afford a generous lifestyle even out of poverty because you have a heavenly Father who knows what you need before you ask. Now, is it a law? No. Is it a requirement? No. Is it necessary? No. Not in every circumstance. He's just saying, this is within the range of your options when you live in that thin space between the material and the physical realm. You can live this way. He goes on further and he says, if somebody compels you to go with them a mile, um, go with them too. Now, this is not just, let's take a walk together. This is a Roman um, rite of compulsory service. Every adult male in every nation that Rome had conquered could be compelled by a Roman soldier upon point of death to carry that soldier's pack for him one mile. Right? Didn't happen often. But it, and it was less about getting a pack of, of, of materiel from one place to a, a mile distant. It was not about that. It was about subjugation. It was about reminding you that you were nothing and nobody. You were a burden of, uh, you, were, you were an animal of burden bearing. That's what your role was. To the soldier of Rome, you were nothing more than a strong back. That's all. And what does Jesus say? Well, you can believe that if you want. If you really want to believe that the Roman soldier has you exactly right, that you're nothing but a beast of burden, then you can respond in some, some kind. But if you really believe that you're a child of the Heavenly Father, here's a strategy. Carry it a mile with joy. And then when he says your mile is up, say... I can go another. The first mile, who's in charge? Imperial Rome. The second mile, who's in charge? The kingdom of the heavens, which has come near in you. Do you see the strategy that he's got here? It's sheer genius. 
Can you think of any more effective way to say to somebody who thinks they've got you under their thumb, uh, not so much. You can't fire me, I quit. You hear the joke? You can't, you can't force me to do anything I was already going to do. Now here's where the trick comes. If you live in the material world, pride is going to be your only friend, and you will never be able to do this. But if you know who you are, in other words, if you are humble, you can serve even your enemies with great joy because they're not in charge of you. They're not, as the children say, the boss of you. Now, if you want to be a kid, then you can negotiate who's the boss of you. But if you want to be an adult and mature liver in that thin space, then you have an alternate response when somebody has the capacity to force you to do something. You can do it with joy. Now, you can do this. How many of you are starting to see some of the implications of this in relationships other than with Imperial Rome? Right? It works in marriage, right? It works in relationships in your place of employment. I just cleaned up the break room. Somebody else's turn. Who's in charge? I took out the trash last week. Somebody else's turn. I'm a child of the king. I know how to take out trash. I can do that. Do you see how this works? Jesus is he's just so smart, right? Then he gets on to this last one, which sounds like it's the least uh, troublesome. But in fact, given the culture to whom he is writing and the first century is often the most difficult one, he says, give to him who asks of you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow First century, Christian community, devastated by persecution and the loss of personal property to the point of the impoverishment of the people of God. And what happens when you see somebody coming towards you who you know has need? What do you do? Maybe, maybe we do it here as we're walking to church and somebody who is homeless uh, approaches us. But it's even more when it's somebody we know. There's a, there's a sense of obligation, a sense of duty, and Jesus says you don't have to be good out of duty or out of obligation. You can be good because you're good. You can be generous because you're generous. Even if it means, as it might in this case and in some of our cases, giving what you need for your own family to meet somebody else's need. Would Jesus be as radical as that? No, I, th I think he might. Now, new law, have to do it every time somebody asks you something? Oh, gee. No. He's saying when somebody asks you, 
within the range of your options as a follower of Christ, as a citizen of the kingdom, is a simple yes. Not obligation, it's not duty, it's not new law, but you can afford to be generous just because somebody asks. Now, here's the deal. Not because you want to teach them a lesson. Not with conditions and hooks on good stewardship. Right? Not with control. Just, it's, it's not about them. It's about you. What kind of person are you going to be? And, and, and how many of you know this is going to take a sideways turn here real quick? What would happen if you came to Jesus and asked and he didn't embody this passage? How many of you have received from God just by asking? Just by asking. There's about a dozen or so. What would happen if God treated you the way you treat others who ask? Awful quiet here. Right? We're going to be able to hide in worship here in just a couple of minutes, but just, just, just stay where you are for this. It, 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 right? Because this is, this is, you see what he's doing here. He's saying, you guys can talk all you want about a new society, about a new community, about a new kingdom come. You can talk until you're blue in the face about revolution. You want revolution? You want life change? This is how to do it. From the ground up, from the inside out, his kingdom come. His will be done. Treat other people the way God and Christ has treated you. And when you do that, you have a heavenly father who knows what you need before you ask. You will have what you need to meet your needs. And in the meantime, you will live a life in that thin space that makes no sense to somebody who only lives in the material worldview. The gospel will be proclaimed because this, Jesus thinks, is good news. And now it's good news only to those people who have given up on the cycle of revenge. It's good news only to those people who have, um, have, 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 have taken into their hands their resources and are, lo- are allowing those resources now to control them. It's good news to the people who have released those resources. Do you see where, where we're going with this? So here's how, here's how I'd like you to think about this as, as, uh, as we come to conclusion tonight in this. Um, I suspect that in, in these four or five different snapshots that Jesus has given us about what the radical um, change or the radical shift in, in, in realities can bring, uh, that maybe you've seen yourself in the mirror here on some of these things. Maybe, maybe the Spirit of God has just said, you know what, this is something we, we can work on. This is an invitation I'd like you to respond to. And if you have had the Spirit address you in that way, I'm going to ask you to say yes to him as we come and spend some time in worship and respond. I'm going to invite you to just sit with this text, to just sit 
with heart open wide. Lord, are, are there some people whose shaming insults I have taken personally who I can now just release to you and not have to feel the need to retaliate or respond in a destructive way myself? Lord, are there some people like that in my life that I can just let this stuff go and let you deal with them? Lord, are there some people who are, who are, are making some demands on me that I'm obligated to perform that I could do with joy and then go a second mile? Lord, are there some people who have got the right to more than I have to give that I can just release more than I have to give in response? Are there some people who have asked for help that I have resources, who have asked for a loan that I have resources? Sometimes it will be as practical as that. Other times you'll be able to hear the general story that he's inviting you to. Does that make sense? Let's pray together as uh, Brian and Jenny come back. Lord, I thank you for uh, this text. At least I think I do. It's really ticking me off here. Just thinking through the implications of this um, in terms of, of my relationship with my wife and, and uh, my coworkers and friends and uh, others that I care for. Uh, Lord, uh, the radical implications of this are, are pretty st- uh, stunning to me. And so I pray for courage uh, to hear your word, to respond to it with faith. Uh, it is so easy for me, Lord, just to push back against this and say, clearly, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. But at the same time, it's very clear and obvious that you know exactly what you're talking about and that this is, in fact, the only way turn the world right side up again. And so I pray by the power of your spirit that you would help us to take this text as applied to us by your spirit seriously, to find ourselves in a place of prayer with people who can lead us through this prayer of release, maybe just turning this place where we're sitting here into a a, a sanctuary of response, Um, maybe sealing the deal with uh, communion, Maybe even before we leave tonight, going to somebody and meeting a need that they have simply because they ask. Help us in this, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, please visit us on the web at thegardenlb.org.